Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. My topic today is Cybersecurity Tool Sprawl, Why Adding Another Tool is Actually Reducing Your Visibility. And it's my pleasure to be speaking with Seth Goldhammer. He's Vice President, Product Marketing at ReliaQuest, and Brian Murphy, Chief Architect at ReliaQuest. Seth, Brian, thank you so much for taking time to join me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. So, gentlemen, first question. It's no secret there's been a multitude of security tools introduced to the market over the past years. Do you find that the industry now is suffering from tool fatigue? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Tom. This is Seth speaking, and want to thank ISMG. Want to thank you for for your time and and all the listeners. Hope that you have, find that to be an informative session for for everyone. You know, the the customers that we've been talking to. If you think about over the last five six years of just what's happened in the security space, uh, the threat landscape, and the reaction to the threat landscape, there's been such a myriad of new tools, new types of analytics. So you've got both preventative technologies and detection response technologies that have just flooded the market uh, for all, all the right reasons. They're all trying to help in some way to uncover, you know, is there some sort of attack that's, that's coming into the environment or is already within the environment? The amount of vendor sprawl uh, that most enterprises now have brought into their environment to help try to gain some sense of what's happening, it's, it's pretty staggering. You know, uh, many Surveys are out there now that show the number of tools that security teams have are, are well into you know, the, the 10s to 20s to 30s. And so that introduction of just the, the amount of tools you have, each of these tools, they're all crying for attention, right? They are creating their own alarms. They all have their own workflows. And so this is creating, uh, in fact, the inverse of what the intention, which is, reduced visibility, you know, there are the amount of attention that each needs, even if we're trying to pull all this data into some sort of common SIM or some sort of common data, you're just bound to have uh, one, not all information is not going to get into that common pool. So you're already having kind of disparate information all over the place. Uh, and two, you've got severed workflows because as you start in one tool to investigate uh, an alarm, you now find that you're, you may need to bounce to multiple tools. So your workflows just have these inherent error gaps that introduce inefficiencies. It also takes some individual know-how from the analyst. You know, an analyst needs to remember that I need to, you know, after if I'm looking for, you know, this this uh, phishing attack and I'm concerned that, you know, this poison payload was actually detonated, I gotta remember which data sources I need to review in order to, to make that determination and not all security analysts will necessarily have all of that know-how at their disposal to make all the right decisions all the time. So that's just unfortunately creating the, again, that inverse response, which is reduced visibility and reduced capabilities for detection and response. Yeah, I completely agree, Seth. I, I think um, some other things to consider that uh, everybody has a, a slightly different set of tool sets. Um, and this means that if you're an analyst at, a, at one company and you get used to working with those tools, you go to another company, you're going to have to get used to working with a different tool set. So your skill set is slightly different. Uh, and then as you onboard people, they always have to get new to, used to new tools as well. And the management of those tools, not just from an alerting perspective, but from a health and maintenance and care and feeding perspective is, is massive as well. 
So as, as, as you add another tool, it's another load on your DevOps team, on your Sec DevOps team, to actually make sure that it's getting the right data, it's healthy and hasn't fallen over, um, so it can actually give you that uh, ROI that you're looking for. So, gentlemen, to play devil's advocate a bit here, how come security teams can't get all the data they want in one place? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good good question. Um, I think that was always the goal for when we built out the, the Sims. Um, the early days of Splunk, that was our kind of response, is that we were sick of logging into places to grep and awk through logs to um, figure out what was actually going on. So we built a tool so that all the logs could go to one place. Um, unfortunately, I think the growth of uh, data outpaced even our, our wildest dreams. And now you have a lot of companies even working with a, a hybrid cloud infrastructure. And I think it's 53% of all companies at least have a hybrid cloud. So this means that the data lives both on-premises and in the cloud as well. So there's, there's a lot of impediments to getting that data out of the cloud, not least is the cost. Um, getting data into the cloud is cheap, getting it out can be very expensive. As well as that, uh, all these tools can talk a slightly different language. So they may have different names for fields, different representations of the same data. It becomes hard to gather it all together so you can do apples to apples comparisons. I think as everybody talks a different language and as your analysts have to go from tool to tool, the goal is definitely to try and build it all together. But I think the cost effectiveness there is very hard. You'll see people trying to pull onto a single SIM, but they'll hit cost bottlenecks there. With especially with very high volume log sources such as uh, DNS or uh, or web traffic logs, uh, would be very expensive to bring in as well. Yeah, I would I would echo that. If you if if you think about in the in the last number of years, one of the other trends has just been the amount of fidelity in log data. You know, we used to collect firewall information, and there was a pretty set amount of information the firewall is going to give you, and the whole log was about two hundred bytes the average log size has increased as the vendors are recognizing there's rich information that they can provide within their log streams, which means all of that data is just becoming exponentially greater. And so what we find is that if you take, take different analytic solutions that we're deploying in the environment, so I have a SIM and I'm, and I'm pulling in EDR data, I'm pulling in you know data from my next-gen firewall, but it's generally going to be the high level activities that are captured in the EDR, the high level activities captured in the next gen firewall that are gonna to go to the SIM. Cause just bringing in all of the forensic details of an EDR, bringing in all of the um, you know, access allows, you know, network traffic allows, et cetera, from the firewall, it's just too much data and ultimately ends up drowning out information inside of the SIM. So what happens is even with just three solutions, I've got a SIM, an EDR, and an next generation firewall, it already just, just logically doesn't make sense to bring all the data into the SIM. So I'm already left with the spirit data of you know, host forensic details that are left in the EDR or network activity details that are left in the next generation firewall. Yeah, and even pulling that data together to do, um, to do hunts can be very challenging. Um, aligning that data is a is a big challenge as well. So you'll see people um, building out CSVs or trying to build it all into one place manually, and I think that's a that's obviously a daunting task for anybody trying to deal with when they're dealing with uh, the kind of data scales that we're talking about here. So, gentlemen, with this as context, how do you find that the technologies and the related data challenges are disrupting automation processes and even the security program visibility we spoke about? 
So I think there's a there's a lot of challenges here, um, and I think you'll see that the growth in um, kind of that uh, sore technologies such as the Mistone and Phantoms of the world are, are trying to address these. But once again, this is hard for analysts, right? The analysts aren't engineers; they're not developers. And so developing even the integration um, scripts between those can be very challenging for the analysts. And everybody has their own, like I said before, everybody has their own set of security tools. So building those integrations kind of has to be a very much of a, a boutique operation based on the, the exact set of tools you have. This is obviously impacting processes and, uh, and visibility in that it's, nobody has the expertise in-house to kind of glue everything together properly, to create all the playbooks they want. And then if you do have people that create those playbooks, those play people become very, very valuable. What happens when they leave? Um, so I think that's a, it's a, there's a lot of difficulties on those edge points. Everybody offers an API, but all the APIs are different, and there's no, no coherence between them. Brian's astute to kind of key in on all those kind of technical difficulties in integrating these solutions together. I think the, the other piece to this is just trusting the data. You know, when I talk to customers, you know, they're very unlikely to automate actions from an alarm because there's still a lot of distrust in terms of just the findings from alarms coming out. Uh, do I have the right data sources coming in to populate the content I have? Is the content you know, truly accurately recognizing a threat? And so what we find it actually reminds me of you know, the early days of, of network access control, which uh, was a, a space I was, I was deep in a long, long time ago, where many organizations, they didn't use the network access control to actually quarantine hosts. They just use it as an information source. And what we're seeing most automation used for is contextual enrichment. Let's just go get data when an activity occurs. Uh, but actually, in what the vendors really focus on is the mitigations, the countermeasures, you know, how are we going to contain threats? The reality is most organizations, they're not at a maturity level or a comfort level with the data that they're, uh, that they're bringing in and the alarms that they're generating, where they're going to go and start containing threats based on an alarm. Uh, so it's really just helping them gr grab information. Yeah, nobody wants to be to uh, isolate the CEO's laptop on a Friday afternoon, right, by accident. So I think that's definitely very, very true. So I think uh, even if you do have those playbooks, people are very hesitant to automate them and, and put them into man automated operation. Uh, and then if you do have humans that are trying to figure out whether or not playbooks should be triggered, um, I think that adds a lot of uh, kind of overhead to your process as well. So, gentlemen, make this real for me. Offer me an example of how organizations have found ways to get access to the data they need when they need it. So the, the, the reality is that this is a difficult situation for any enterprise, right? The organizations really have kind of two ways they're trying to solve this today. They're trying to do it themselves. We've talked about a lot of the limitations of trying to do it themselves. They're building scripts across different technologies. You know, they're, they're doing as much as they can in the SIM, but we talked about why the SIM's not going to always be the be-all, end-all truth for all data um, or the ability to integrate across all technologies. Uh, so it's taking a lot of kind of individual know-how within the each organization. Uh, and Brian talked about the concerns around that, what happens when that one, you know, expert uh, you had on your team now ends up taking that expertise and getting to their next position uh, within their career. Uh, so it becomes very difficult for organizations to, to do it on their own, you know, with all the administration overhead that they're taking on and trying to deal with in real time the alarms, the activities that they need to be responding to. So the flip side of that is 
Well, what else can they do? Well, they can go to a managed service provider. Uh, when we're talking to customers that are outsourced, you know, outsourcing their, you know, their security needs to a managed service provider, what they're now getting is consistency. You know, they're consistently now responding to alarms, but they're really the the feedback that we're hearing is the, the what we hear is kind of the black hole, the black box that they don't necessarily know what alarms are being triaged, how they're being triaged what are the investigation steps that they're taking so the security team now kind of loses out on you know how they can continue to evolve their maturity program along with having the consistency that the managed service provider is is providing so unfortunately i think that the two ways that we can try to kind of get the data we need when we need it uh trying to do it ourselves very very challenging outsourcing it to a managed service provider has its own a set of limitations and restrictions. So uh, there, there really needs to be an alternative approach. And that is something that at RelyQuest we've taken very seriously and believe that there is an alternative approach that can be taken. Yeah, I, I think uh, very true. So I think we see a lot of that in our customers. Um, we see customers that uh, try and centralize things into maybe as, as they need them into an Elastic Stack or a Hadoop Stack. Uh, and what this ends up doing is just creating another technology that they have to deal with. So they may have gone from 20 different uh, security tools to 21 or 70 to 75 um, in trying to create these new um, repositories. Because the reality of it is, it's just so hard to create a repository that you can maintain that can take all this data and that's cost effective. And so in, in trying to create another data lake, um, as you, if you will, for all the security data, all you end up doing is creating another data pond that you then have to um, integrate with the rest of your tools anyway. So it's uh, it, it can be very it's very challenging from that respect as well. Brian, Seth, final question for you. Talk to me a bit about ReliaQuest. How are you helping organizations respond to this challenge of tool sprawl? Yeah, so we um, first saw this from our analysts. So we run a, a large SOC across uh, multiple geographic locations, both in the US and in Europe. Uh, and we definitely saw this as a challenge that our analysts were facing when they were providing services to our customers. Um, so in response to that, um, we've developed uh, our tool, Gray Matter, which is uh, both our platform and the software that powers it. And this allows us to build a common information language so that we can, instead of trying to bring everything together all the time, we can get the data from all the different tools that they're using in response to incidents or in response to a hunt campaign. And this allows us to bring back a normalized view of all this data. So we can do an apples to apples comparison right there. We're not trying to be the source of truth for all this data. We're just trying to get it in response to our, the needs of our analysts. And this allows us to be much more flexible um, in terms of how we do it. We can build APIs to talk to um, any piece of your security infrastructure and build that, uh, that data layer that's just taking the data ephemerally just so you can provide those investigations and that hunt capability. We also have some automation built on top of that, which allows us to actually reach out um, agnot tool agnostic and perform common operations. For example, block an IP on a firewall, um, but it's all integrated with the ticket system so that then if we do need to get sign off on an action, that can happen right within our portal system as well. So it's all integrated with our investigation. So it helps a lot. Also, we have obviously we have our uh, our health and, and that kind of information in the tool as well. So you get this uh, holistic view across your security um, infrastructure 
without having to send all your data to yet another place and that will reach out into within your security infrastructure and pull the data we need. Yeah, I think Brian hit on that, that light bulb moment, which is there's never going to be a single source of truth. We're always going to have the spare data that gets left out of you know, the SIM or the, the common data lake that we're trying to create. Uh, once that light bulb went off, okay, now the, the path was how do we become much more intelligent in terms of getting selective data when we, it is required for an investigation or to enable a threat hunt? So now we can look at this alarm fired. So again, we want to investigate phishing. We think that there's uh, potential successful phishing. We want to know if it's actually now uh, performing some type of you know, uh, reconnaissance activity, what have you, within the environment. Well, let's just go get the data we need at that point in time. A lot of it's going to be in the sim, like the you know Office 365 logs, uh, you know, et cetera. Um, but a lot, of, but there might be EDR data. You know, what's actually happening on that endpoint at that point in time? Do we see examples of you know malware being detonated? Uh, what's happening again? The the rich network activity. Are we seeing information that would look like command and control or lateral movement that isn't necessarily making it to the sim? So let's just go gather the data we need when we need it for that point in time, rather than trying to get all data all the time in case we need it. So it just becomes much more intelligent in terms of select, selective retrieval of data. Well, if we could perform that in an alert trigger based, then we can also perform that in a hunt trigger base. Or if we want to perform a long-term hunt over time for let's look at DNS data and try to find, are there outliers to DNS queries that may signify some sort of you know, command and control type uh, requests that are going on within the environment? Let's go look at that now over time, uh, where we can just pull together that DNS data, not try to overload the SIM with that very noisy types of traffic, uh, where we can pull it into kind of a separate index, perform analytics against that, that separate index. So, it becomes just much more intelligent in terms of why are we looking at the data and when we need to look at specific types of data in order to make decisions. And let's just build um, intelligence around those, those types of data as well. So we can build out uh, machine learning models that can give our analysts a hint of where to look first. Um, let's say maybe a DNS uh, hunting activity, looking for anomalous DNS activity. So as we pull that data back, we can then apply those models, not to completely replace analysts, but just to give them a leg up of, hey, this looks anomalous for this customer. And that really helps as well. So we're not trying to apply a model across all your data, just that specific data that we're pulling back for that hunt campaign. Well, Brian, Seth, it's been a terrific overview. I want to thank you both for your time and your insight today. Appreciate it, Tom. And thank you, ISMG and all the listeners. Hope that this was informative and look forward to having continued conversations with any of you. Yeah, very much so. Thank you very much. Again, we've been talking about cybersecurity tools sprawl. I've been speaking with Seth Goldhammer and Brian Murphy, both with ReliaQuest. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.